0: And I want you to open your copy of God's Word and go with me to James chapter 3. We've just sung that hymn, which asks the Lord to speak to us. I hope that's your desire as you open God's Word before your eyes, your heart, your mind, your life, that you want God to speak to you today from His Word. And He will, if that's what you want. And you open your ears and eyes to see and hear. Let's ask God for His help. Oh, precious Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for the promises from your word, the ones we just were reminded of as we we called out to you in, in worship, in song, asking you to speak. You speak clearly from your word. Oh, God, help us to see that. Help us to hear you speak from your word. Help us to be moved and, and changed and challenged and corrected and encouraged and instructed as we hear you speak from your word. Oh God, I pray, give us ears to hear and eyes to see and feet and hands and and eyes and ears and mouths that obey. Oh God, help us to hear and obey today. Help us to hear your word. Help us to hear the, the power of the truths effectively working in our lives for our good and your glory when we take them personally and honor you with our obedience. So, God, I pray, instruct us and help us to hear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Do any of you remember singing this song in Sunday school when you were a child? Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Did you sing that? For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little eyes, what you see. And then the next verse, I won't sing them all, goes, oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. And then the next verse says, oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And then the next one says, oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. And verse 5 says, oh, be careful, little mouth, What you say, oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. For the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful, little mouth, what you say. I don't know, did you take that to heart when you were a kid? I'm not sure it changed me much. I enjoyed singing it. I enjoyed singing it but I'm not sure how effective it was at changing me. God has given us a wonderful gift of speech to communicate with. But you know, like I do, sometimes it doesn't seem like such a gift, does it? Sometimes the gift of speech can seem like a curse. Unfortunately, we often and and far too easily misuse our little mouths. Right? Our speech. You know, it seems like it's the easiest thing in the world to let get out of control. I mean, think about it. Has your mouth ever caused you embarrassment? <laughs> oh, if there's something I hate, it's hate when I open my mouth and just to remove the other if one foot and put the other one back in. You know, it's like, oh man, I hate it when I embarrass myself. How about, has your mouth ever caused pain or hurt to others? Whose hasn't, right? So far in our studies here in James, James has been showing us what a living faith looks like. What does a living faith look like? How how does a living faith show and prove prove itself? James has been showing us here in these first two chapters of James so far. A living faith, says James, believes. A living faith, says James, stands faithfully on the word of God, even in the midst of trials. The living faith of believers causes them to, to respond to God's word, to obey God's word. With a, with a living faith, believers become, James says, they become doers of the word and not hearers only. A living faith, says James, also looks to and cares for the needs of others in the, in the body of Christ. A living faith causes one to grow up and look out instead of looking inward all the time. A living faith brings maturity to the life of the believer that causes them to see that God put them here, leaves them here, and keeps them here to serve and encourage others for their good and God's glory. We've also learned from James that a living faith responds to others without Partiality. And not only will a living faith refuse to play favorites, a living faith shows itself and prove itself, proves itself, says James, as it produces good works, that is, acts of obedience to God's word in the life of the believer. And now we arrive at chapter three of James, where we will learn that a living faith produces a growing self-control. In the life of the believer. And as you might have guessed, our passage today, and really all of chapter 3, relates to the proper use of the tongue in the life of the believer whose faith is living. I want you to look with me as we go to James chapter 3 this morning and and we look at the first six verses together. Would you go there with me and look at James chapter 3, verses 1 through 6? Follow along as I read. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. how great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire and the tongue is a fire a whole wor- a world of unrighteousness the tongue is set among our members staining the whole body setting on fire the entire course of life and set on fire by hell now the challenge we will hear from James chapter 3 if we're listening is this, if your faith and my faith is a living faith, then our lives will be marked by a growing maturity in the use of our tongues. So when we read James 3, we should be asking ourselves, Is God really in control of my life if I can't control my tongue? Have I truly surrendered control of my life to God and his spirit and his word? Am I really becoming a doer of the word if I can't control what I say? Now, just as we noted in chapter 2 that a test of a of a spiritual life, a growing life, a living faith, is whether or not there are acts of obedience, that is, good works being produced in the life of one who says that they are a believer. So, too, this is a test of a living faith. What do you do with your mouth? What do you say? How do you speak? How do you conduct yourself in your speech? This is a test of a living faith. Am I learning by God's grace? Am I learning by his word and by his spirit's help to control my tongue? And like it or not, this is one way others will clearly see our spiritual maturity or lack thereof. Because a living faith is a faith that is increasingly gaining control over the tongue. A living faith is a faith that is increasingly moving me toward maturity in my speech, in how I conduct myself, in in communicating with others. And this is so important that James begins by addressing those who teach God's word. I want you to look at verse 1 again. James says in verse 1, "...not many of you should become teachers." My brothers, he's speaking to believers here, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And James is dealing with those who were, there were some who were uh, seeing that there were there, there. seemed to be some kind of power, some kind of authority going along with those who teach God's word, and so there were some who were kind of clamoring to that and saying, hey, you know, I want to teach too, because, um, you know, selfishly they're thinking... Uh, I like the idea of the, the authority that goes along with speaking and teaching God's word. And he is warning them, if you think that teaching God's word is a, is going to give you something that you desire, you need to be really careful because you're going to be held accountable you're going to be held to a higher standard with greater strictness because of what you say and there's a sober warning here for those who wish to teach God's word it's not to discourage those from from those who long to teach and instruct others with the truths of God's word but it is to sober them up and make them think very carefully and seriously about what they're doing being a teacher of God's word is a responsibility that must be taken seriously and approached carefully And I think we can see why. By the nature of the illustrations James shares in verses 3 through 6, we read them earlier, right? As you see the power of the tongue, you begin to take notice as to why this is so important and why he begins with those who teach God's word and instruct from God's word. They will be held to a higher standard with greater strictness those who teach God's word because the tongue is a powerful tool or a powerful weapon depending on how you use it. Those who teach God's word must consider their words carefully. So James begins by saying here in verse 1, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. We hear a similar warning by Jesus in Luke chapter 12 and verse 48, that everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. And from him to whom they entrusted much, they will demand the more. God will hold those who teach and instruct from God's word to a, to a higher standard of accountability because they are supposed to know the truth. They are supposed to be instructing in God's truth. And, and because they know the truth, they should also be changed by the truth. I mean, think of it. Why does God require so much of and judge more strictly the one who teaches his word? Because the one who teaches God's word naturally has more influence And one who teaches God's word must not only mind his words, but he must also mind his life. You see, the one who teaches God's word must also be changed by God's word. And God will hold accountable the one who teaches not only for his teaching, but also for his manner of living. And so it is critical that those who teach Heed the warning from God's word here and mind carefully their teaching and mind very carefully their living. You see, those who teach must teach God's word. Those who teach, who claim to teach God's word, the only authority they have is the authority of God's word to proclaim, Thus saith the Lord, right? This is God's word. This is what God says. We must obey. And those who teach must teach God's word and not take more authority for themselves than that of God's word alone. And those who teach must be certain that they are submitting themselves to the word of God, that their lives too are being shaped by the same truths they proclaim. But teachers are not alone in this responsibility to control one's tongue. They are also not exempt from the truth that James shares here, that we all stumble. Says James in verse 2, including himself and in so doing, including every teacher of the word, including the one who stands before you, for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now James, of course, I noted it, he's speaking to believers here, as we saw in verse 1, as he addressed his readers as my brothers. So he's speaking to the body of Christ, he's speaking first to teachers, and then he's speaking now to everyone, every believer. And it's clear here that there are no believers who are perfect and without sin. But then we knew that. Right, He says, for we all stumble in many ways. And this, I think we know, is the ongoing challenge of living the Christian life, isn't it? For we all stumble in many ways, including, you didn't know your mouth could stumble, but it can. We all stumble in many ways, says James, and the idea here is that this is an ongoing problem. And I think it's interesting that he talks about the tongue. He goes to the mouth. He goes to the tongue and the speech and the, the words that pour forth from our mouths because we, we all stumble in many ways with our speech. Our lives as followers of Christ are lived like one who is traveling along a bumpy path and stumbles over a root or a rock and catches himself and keeps moving. We aren't living perfect lives this side of heaven. We still deal with sin every day don't we but those who have trusted in christ praise god are living forgiven lives and god has forgiven us our sins through the lord jesus christ through faith in christ we are cleansed and made new and given new life in christ and now we have this opportunity to live in such a way that our lives glorify christ and illuminate the path for others the straight and narrow way of christ likeness We've been forgiven our sins, yes, but we continue to deal with sin, do we not? And at times we do stumble. But the growing believer is one who keeps going, who stumbles and keeps going, who gains his footing and keeps going. This is not talking about one who falls and does not get back up. This is talking about one who, yes, you sin, but you you make a quick course correction. You see, the maturing believer, the A believer who has a living faith isn't sinless, is not perfect, but is one who makes quick course corrections, quick corrections in his life to say, that was wrong, I need to do what's right. And if I've harmed someone with my tongue, I need to speak to them and confess my sin and ask for their forgiveness and ask for God's. I have God's. And God is good to forgive, is he not? And we can praise him for that, and we must. We've got to be quick to repent, which means turn from that kind of speech and conduct that is sinful and harmful to others and harmful to ourselves. And James is saying here that the believer whose faith is a living faith, a growing faith, an active faith, will be one who is gaining more and more control over what he or she says. That's the idea here in verse 2 when James says, Look at verse 2 again. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Now, let me help you here. James is not suggesting, he's not saying perfect as in sinless, okay? He's talking about perfect as in growing in Christ's likeness, he's talking about making progress. The believer who is gaining control over his tongue is indeed a growing believer, is a believer who is being changed by God's word, is one who is able to deal biblically with many other areas of his life also. We know James isn't talking about perfection here. That's obvious when he admits, including himself, we all stumble in many ways. But what James is pointing to here is the great importance for the believer to learn to control his tongue. Do you see how important this is? Do you hear from James how important it is for believers who say, I have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. I know that God has saved me. I know that God has forgiven me. And now I must submit my life to him. And that includes my speech. You see, the believer who is gaining control over his tongue is indeed a growing believer and one who is able to deal with the the ups and downs of daily life in this fallen world, right? And, And overcomes in the way he speaks and overcomes in the way he lives, being conformed by God's word in Christ's likeness. What James is pointing to here is the great importance for the believer to learn. To practice the control of his tongue. James is not, of course, implying that one who is gaining control of the tongue is sinless, but that the control of the tongue is a significant sign of spiritual growth and maturity. Do you want to see you want to see a reason for rejoicing in, in your own life when you begin to exercise control over your speech? You want to see a reason for alarm? When you recognize you've lost control when you can't seem to control what comes out of your mouth. Victory here, says James, shows that one is learning by God's grace to control not only the mouth, but the whole body, the whole life. Do you see how important this is? That we begin with the mouth, that we say with our speech and our conduct, we must conform our speech to God's word. We must measure our words. We must be careful about how we talk to others and speak to others and talk about others. And the importance of this is made more clear as James illustrates in verses 3 through 6. The believer who desires to learn to control the whole body should surrender his tongue to God. The believer who, who longs and desires to be shaped by God's word and shaped by the Holy Spirit living in him must also surrender his tongue to God, to be used in ways that honor and glorify him and to be used in ways that help and heal and not hurt and harm. Why? Because the tongue is powerful, says James. Do you understand how powerful the tongue is, says James? Think of it. Think of it. Think of one riding a horse. I've seen, and I remember as a youngster once, riding a horse, and I was pretty spindly and small when I was a youngster. And you've seen youngsters, and maybe you remember as a youngster riding a horse. How in the world could you tell that monstrous animal where to go? (laughs) The horse goes wherever the reins are drawn, right? Wherever you draw the reins, that's where the horse goes. Why? Because the horse has a bit in its mouth. It's the bit, says James, verse 3. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. You guide the mouth, you guide the body. You bridle a horse to make it go where you wish. You put a bit in its mouth, you make its mouth move, you make its body move. Says James, so he says, as in verse 2, if you can bridle the tongue, your tongue, You can bridle the whole body. You can bridle and guide by God's word and wisdom your whole life. You see, God's word is the bit. God's Holy Spirit is taking the bit of the word, and he longs to guide your whole life, not only your mouth, but it begins there. And James shows us how important it is that we learn to control what we say and and guide and, and instruct what we say. By God's word, the bridle in the horse's mouth makes the horse obey and makes the horse change direction. And James says the growing believer who is learning to bridle the tongue is learning to bring his or her whole life into obedience to God. What you do with your mouth will very often expose what's in your heart. What you do with your mouth and what you say with your speech reveals where your heart is and reveals where your whole body is going, where your whole life is going. You see, the life of the believer who is learning control of the tongue is changing the direction of his whole life. Why? Because we all communicate with one another, don't we? We all have to use words, whether we like it or not. Sometimes I don't like to use words, and so I try not to, and I use you know, gestures and things, but we communicate, don't we? And we can say a lot with just a few words. And what we say is an indicator of our level of spiritual maturity, whether we like that or not. We can say a whole lot about our spiritual lives with just a few words. And the believer in Christ whose faith is living, the believer in Christ whose faith is is growing, is one who's learning to control the tongue and doing so with God's word, knowing that the tongue sets the direction for everything else. And if the importance of controlling the tongue is not yet clear enough, James provides a second illustration of its power to set the direction of one's whole life. Look at verse 4 again. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. Now, where does a fortress of a ship go? Wherever the pilot directs. How does the pilot direct the ship? How does the pilot direct such a monstrous vessel in comparison? I mean, think of the one who pilots a monstrous vessel on the oceans of today, right? And just a minuscule little piece of human flesh, a little tiny person controlling such a huge vessel. How does he do it? With a tiny little rudder. The rudder is small in comparison to the mass of the ship, isn't it? The man is small in comparison to the mass of the ship. The man takes the wheel in the hand and controls the rudder, which controls the ship and tells the ship where to go. So James says here in verse 5, so also... The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. Who controls your rudder? Who controls your rudder? Who controls your tongue? Have you surrendered control of your tongue to God and his word? It's a challenge for all of us today. We open James 3. Did you know that you were going to be asked that today as we open the word and we go to James 3? Did you know that God's word was going to be standing in your face and saying, Who controls your rudder? Who controls your tongue? Are you allowing God's word? Are you allowing God's spirit to shape your speech, to shape how you communicate with others, to shape how you communicate about others? Oh, how important that is. Your tongue boasts of great things. In other words, says James, Like a rudder, a mighty ship is moved by that small rudder. A a mighty ship is moved about by that little tiny rudder, and your life can, can be moved by that tongue. Your tongue can boast of great things. Your tongue sets the direction for your whole life. And because this is true, and because this truth is so important, James thinks we need another illustration. And if by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, James thinks we need another illustration, I'm guessing he's right, right? Because this is God's Word. And you and I need to understand the importance of this. And I think that's why James goes and uses three illustrations of this because he's really trying to drive the point home. Your mouth can help you or hurt you. you. Your mouth can bring God great glory or it can do great harm to your testimony. And so he says... Look at the rest of verse 5 and verse 6. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue, and he's talking about the tongue that is unchecked by God's word. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Set on fire by hell. You see the danger of the tongue that is unbridled by God's word? James makes the power of the tongue for good or evil vividly clear. Here does he not. The the uncontrolled tongue, says James, is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. And what damage does rampant, unchecked sin bring? It brings ruin. It brings defiling, defiling and ruining one's whole life. Just think of what a small, little fire can do and the damage that can be done when a fire gets out of control. It's incredible, isn't it? And and God's word says pay attention to your tongue because your tongue can be like a little fire set loose in the weeds which soon soon can consume whole neighborhoods and homes and lives. What we're hearing from God's word today is that if you wish to honor God with your life, and I would suggest that every true child of God will at heart want this, to honor God with their lives. If you really wish to honor God with your life, then you're going to want to give him your tongue. You're going to understand how important this is. You're going to want God to have control of that little piece of flesh in your mouth and the part of you that makes it move. You're going to want God to have his way with your heart. You're going to want God to have his way with your affections and your desires and your thoughts. You're going to want him to control them all. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say. Do we understand how important this is? Do you understand how important this is that we get this right? That we submit ourselves to God's word and, and to the controlling work of his spirit when we humble ourselves before him, when we sing words like we sang today and we say, speak, O Lord. Shape and fashion me. This is what we're talking about. We sing songs like that. It's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves. Oh, God, I want your word, and I want it to change me and fix me and and fashion me in, in your image. Oh, be careful, little mouth, what you say because if you don't let God control your tongue, your tongue will control you. It is far better to pray with the psalmist, and I would suggest that this be our prayer today. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. What does God think about your speech? What does he think about how you use your tongue? Have you given God your tongue? Have you given God the rudder of your life? Are you allowing the the bit of the word to direct not only your mouth, but your whole life? Challenging and convicting. Questions, and they should be.